This podcast was created on the lands of the Wurundjeri people. This episode contains discussion about sexual assault, which people of any age might find distressing. Welcome to Doing It. This is a podcast made by the Everybody Education Team at Sexual Health Victoria. We run a whole lot of education programs for communities and medical professionals across Victoria. We also run sexual health clinics in the city and Box Hill in Melbourne. My name is Anne and I'm part of the SHV Schools and Community Team. We go to schools and run classes for all year levels on bodies, growing up, puberty, sex, reproduction, consent, relationships. This podcast is for parents and carers of school-aged children so we can share what goes on in a relationships and sexuality education class and help support these sorts of conversations at home. Today's guest is Laura Crozier. Laura is the Affirmative Consent Project Officer at Youth Affairs Council Victoria. She also co-hosts a podcast called Growing Up Clueless, in which she and her co-host discuss issues young people face that aren't commonly spoken about in mainstream education, like relationships and sexuality education. In a recent episode, Laura shared her story of experiencing sexual assault in secondary school. This episode is a conversation between Laura and Chrissy, who is one of our school's educators at SHV. Like Laura, Chrissy also experienced sexual violence as a young person. While they won't be sharing every detail about their stories, they will be discussing more broadly how they managed different challenges relating to their experiences of sexual assault as young people. I'm really interested to hear what supports were available to them, what they found to be unsupportive, and if they were able to easily disclose to their parents. Laura, thank you for being here. Uh, To start off our conversation, I wanted to ask you, as someone who experienced sexual violence at a young age, what was your experience like in school specifically? Yeah, it was it was very um, difficult, like being a young woman and like who's been through something so traumatizing and then having to like relive it every day, especially. Yeah, especially for me, because the person who assaulted me was like in my year level. Um, and I wasn't in a position to like leave school or anything like that, mm-hmm. or, like change schools, not because like I wouldn't have been allowed to, if I had asked, but like, I just, it wasn't something that I could fathom at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it made it a really difficult experience, like navigating high school, being like continuously thrown into spaces that I was really uncomfortable with. Like I did my very best and like my my um like teachers and like year level coordinators they were great they were really helpful in like helping me avoid situations that they knew would be difficult mm. like um like avoiding being in the same classes as him yeah it was it was a really stressful um few years and it it's yeah it's definitely made like healing harder because mm. I had to relive my trauma every single day that I like bumped into him in the hallways and things mm. like that do you mind me asking what year it was that you experienced violence? Like year um, of school? Yeah, year nine. So you mentioned that your year level coordinator was helpful changing class schedules and everything like that. So would you say that the administration, welfare team, all that, they were supportive? Or was there any documentation they required before giving these accommodations to you or anything like that? 
No, like I, like the welfare team at my school was amazing. Um, mm. And I was so supported through them, which was really helpful. Like if I ever didn't feel comfortable, like disclosing to a teacher um, myself, they would like set up a meeting with them and let them know, like, like this is something I've experienced. And I like, as a student would appreciate your help navigating that, having different actions in place to help me through mm. it. Overall, like I was really lucky every every year I had a really great coordinator um, and people were really open to helping me, especially I think because I was so honest and like forefront with it, um, which obviously not everyone can do. Right. Like I had like had mental health issues prior to being assaulted. So mm-hmm. I, I already knew myself quite well in that sense, mm-hmm. like of like what's helpful for me in like – navigating my mental health so I was quite good at being like open with people about my needs not everyone would ever like would be in that position and that's completely okay um but I think it definitely helped me to be able to to be able to do that and be honest with my teachers about it um so that I could ask for the support that I needed like if people don't know they can't help you but then it's also such a tricky conversation to have so it's like a double-edged sword because no one really wants to go in and like openly talk about their trauma. But if someone doesn't know you have trauma, then how are they meant to help you? And then I think that like that aspect of like, you don't know what baggage someone else is carrying. So maybe people should actually just start making adjustments regardless and being more open to um, just to helping people for the sake of helping people without needing a backstory. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you were, unfortunately, if you will, well-versed in advocating for your needs. But when we think about like you were a young person and young people are already navigating a lot and adults are meant to be there to support them. Like it is, it's asking a lot of any victim or survivor, let alone a young person. I hear a lot of similarities between what you're saying and what I experienced, which is, I find, I mean, not surprising, but interesting, I guess, in the sense of, you know, our experiences were not only years apart, but oceans apart. Uh, but the experience in that secondary school setting where my welfare team similarly, uh, offered me an accommodated schedule. I did have to kind of provide them with a court order, (laughs) but, uh, that was, that's the United States. (laughs) Um, uh, uh, but then things like school assembly, you know, I have a vivid memory of one day, just kind of, you know, last year of high school, people are a bit more free in their schedules. And then, all hanging out in the courtyard and then he walks in, but it's kind of this, you know, common space, but he's really close to me and I felt uncomfortable, but it's like, what can you do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, you don't want to make a big deal out of something exactly. that for everyone else in the room is not a big deal. Right. Like someone were, walked into a room, oh gosh, everyone like under yeah. your tables, like <laughs> yeah. on the floor. Um, But like for you, like your heart's pounding and your your yeah. hands are sweaty and you don't actually know how you're meant to cope in that scenario. But, you know, yeah. no one else knows what's going on. So how did you find the support, if any, from your peers? it's a like it's one of those things where it's like yeah like my friends were great Mm. but then it's also like as I've grown up like been out of high school for a few years now I I think I have a a a really different view on that like Mm. especially like my friends that were friends with him and as I've kind of 
like the last few years done a lot of like thinking about the relationships that I keep and you know the company that I keep it's kind of like why why did I think it was okay for these people to like be my friends and be people that like supposedly loved me and cared for me and like you know support me but then they still could accept his behavior because he said Mm. he was sorry to them Mm. like that's actually not okay but yeah when you kind of look back on it you're like oh gosh like that's actually a bit a bit dodgy of you to have claimed that you care about me and then hung out with him like and then still hang out with him to this day mm. despite the fact that you know how much he hurt me and and because it's not just like physically what this person's done it's the emotional damage that comes with that yeah. um and if and if like your friends see that and I think that's what I struggled with most is that like my friends could see how emotionally damaged I was mm. by that like they watched me cry they watched me like break down like my inability to attend classes um, like even to walk past a classroom that he was in to get to my own, like it was really difficult. I, uh, because as you know, I, I go into schools and do sex ed now and a big driving factor for me personally is my experience as a young person, because I feel like I'm not saying there's no hope or no restorative justice for people who perpetrate violence, but kind of what I see we can actually do in schools is reach those peers, reach those peers to believe victims and victims and survivors and hold people accountable for their violent actions because we know from statistics and research sadly that most of the people who perpetrate violence are repeat offenders and i i again the similarities is a bit haunting between what you're saying and what i experienced of people saying oh you know uh, he didn't mean it. Oh, you know, he's not that bad of a guy. Yeah. I had someone, I, I'll never forget this too. And I went back home when I was in uni on like a school break. And someone said to me, you know, he's really changed. He has a fitness Instagram now. I'm like, <laughs> does, what does that have to do does with anything? He? Wow. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Wow. wow amazing so Thank happy you for him so much yeah it's really everything's healed my trauma yeah. wow that's all I needed to hear I'm all good <laughs> um, yeah it's it's very it's very interesting and I feel like yeah. when you're in that situation you can't actually like see kind of how like crappy it might be and then kind of yeah you you look back when you've had some time to process and like be out of that um that scenario and you're just like wow with the support from your peers your friends that the ones that you still want to hold company with now what do you think stood out that made that support actually meaningful believing me and showing through their actions that they believed me like if someone confides in you And you're like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm so sorry that you've been through that. Like, I had no idea that he was capable of that. And then actually go to show that, like, you don't support that person Mm -hmm. anymore because of what he did. So, like, being understanding that, you know, sometimes I might be okay if I walk past him in the hall, but then Mm -hmm. other times it might be really jarring for me to walk past him in the hall. You know, the people that truly supported me understood that and 
supported me through all the ups and downs of my journey. When I look back and then same as you, the people from high school who are very few that I still talk to now, it was those who didn't make me feel like I was the inconvenience. Yes. That because of what happened to me, like, oh, we need to, you know, they can't be at the same party or things like that. And it was like, well, I didn't choose this. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I remember like, like hanging out with a friend of mine and like we were quite close and anyway he was like thinking about having a party and he like showed me the list and then he kind of realized halfway through that he probably shouldn't have shown me that list because he had my name and then slash the name of the person who assaulted me like it's like one or the other and it's like how is that even a question yeah are you serious that was actually the moment that I was like I like I accepted you hanging out with him in high school. Like your friend group was his friend group. I get that. Like whatever, I'm going to let that slide because I care for you as a person. But then like that was like the last draw for me. I was like, I actually don't think I can go back after this. Mm. Like you're clearly not someone that actually supports me. I'd say the the people that I still hang out with now, they showed that kind of unquestioning loyalty and it's not like going and egging his house it's just like not hesitating who would be invited right not right having a slash if you're comfortable could you share a bit about how you told your parents you were assaulted and how that experience was for you it was not something that I felt comfortable doing I'll preface that but one of the reasons I felt so uncomfortable doing it was because our families were like best friends like right they like we grew up next door to each other and so it was not something that I was prepared to do or that I felt was going to go down well um I had a school counselor already um that I saw regularly because as I said I already had some mental health issues that I was working through um and so he was the first person that I told and I just I did not have the ability to say like this has happened to me I actually had to be like, I had to tell it as like a story of like it happening to someone else. And then he was like, did it happen to this person? As in like one of my friends. And I was like, no, it happened to me. And he's like, oh, mm. shit. like, shoot, <laughs> don't. Mm. He's like, does your mum know? I was like, no, I have no idea how I'm going to tell her. So he actually called my mum and asked her to come into the school for a meeting. Um, and he helped me tell her. And my mum was so supportive And so I was really lucky in that sense. Like she was just amazing and she supported me and made sure that I felt safe and everything. The tricky thing with my um, disclosure to my mum was that there was alcohol involved and Mm. I chose not to tell her that there was alcohol involved because Mm. I was so sure that the alcohol would become the issue not the assault. Mm. I was terrified of that. Then like a few weeks later when it like, you know, his parents then knew and there was like discussions happening about how we were to move forward. Um, And he was saying that he couldn't remember. My mum was like, why can't he remember? Like, was he drunk? And then I was like, yeah, like Mm. he, well, he wasn't drunk, but he's saying he was drunk, but you know, and she's like, were you drinking? And I said, yes. And then that, like that, then became an issue and it's like looking at it with hindsight like I it's one of those things because like as 
that 15-year-old girl, I was like, exactly what I was worried about did happen. The Mm. alcohol became the issue and I was punished. But then would the alcohol have been the issue if I hadn't been honest with her from the start? Because, like, it was the lying that was the issue for her, not the alcohol. And so it's like one of those things. It's like if I if I had been honest, maybe things would have been better. But then I wasn't, and I was proven right. But neither of us were right. Neither of us were right. wrong. And we probably both would have handled it differently if we had the knowledge that we have now. Regardless of the fact that, like, my mum was obviously disappointed in me for drinking, she was still extremely supportive. Like forever, forever grateful to her for being someone that I can always confide in. So my parents, my parents are divorced. It's fine. They're just, they're just not together. But I didn't tell my dad at all until I think maybe a year or two years ago. Mm, um, okay. So yeah, my dad didn't know for probably four, four years Yeah. until after it happened. He knew that we didn't see that family anymore, but he never knew why. He reacted exactly how I thought he would react, which was... I'll kill him. Like, <laughs> and and that's exactly why I didn't tell him in the first place yeah. because I needed it to be about me and I needed it to be about my healing journey and how I was going to recover from that instead of it being about how angry it made other people. And I knew yeah. that my dad wasn't emotionally mature enough to handle it at the time. I decided wasn't wasn't for him to know um, until mm-hmm. I was ready for him to know it. As you're talking about this, I'm honestly blown away at your emotional maturity that you showed as a young person. I think I was forced into a situation where I had to be really emotionally mature because otherwise I don't know how I would have come out the other side. I I made the right decision that like the right decision for me in not telling my entire family when it happens. Um yeah. And yeah, having, having that time to process and heal myself. And then, you know, later on in life, like it's still emotional when people find out, but it's a conversation that I feel more prepared for if they have questions and that like, yeah, it can just lead to those nice moments of like us both understanding that like, it was a, it was a really hard time for me and now it's probably something they need to process and we can just both cry about it together if we need to. Yeah. And instead of you, and excuse this made up word, but instead of you having to therapize them, it's kind of like you decide when it's best for you as opposed to then needing to hold all this space for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's really nice. So it sounds like it, when you told your mom, she wasn't like, okay, we need to tell X, 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 and X. We need to, everyone needs to know, blah, blah. She said, it sounds like she was respectful on who you did and didn't want to know. Yeah. Yeah, she was. She, um, like we like made a plan with my school counselor to like, eventually when I was ready, like have a chat with his family as well. Um, yeah, like there was one day, like I actually told his mum myself. Um, wow. And that was something that I felt a little bit pressured into, but Mm by someone else yeah she blamed me um oh which you know I guess I expected um but was still a really difficult thing to hear and then once she knew that's when things kind of like just it was like an avalanche like there yeah. was like meetings with 
like his parents at my house. There was meetings with like his mum and the counsellor. There was meetings with me and him with the counsellor. Like it was just like all these things and like trying to like figure out like what the next steps were. And like when it first happened, I was like, he's my best friend. Like we can work through this. Like I want to get to a place when eventually like I can be his best friend again. That was naive. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that never happened, obviously. I think that was just like the initial response. I was like, I want to forget that it ever happened. But obviously that's not something that I was willing or able to do. I've had to go through that. And similarities of mother of assaulter not really (laughs) responding well. Um, Yeah. Parents, I should say, not just his mom. And also when... I I had the help of a counselor to to tell my parents and then it was the avalanche like yeah. I, I don't I don't mean this against my parents but they kind of thought that then everyone needed to know and mm. yeah so it it snowballed as soon as I told my parents and again they they thought they were doing the right thing that's not anything against them but uh, yeah. I can't imagine your experiences of with his family and then all the different iterations and I yeah I will never forget like the amount of anxiety I had like waiting for them to come over that night and like have a discussion about it it was like the worst I don't know whose idea that was it was freaking awful (laughs) and was he with them with the parents no so it was just his yeah his mum and dad and then my mum and I when I reflect back on my experience and I'm curious to Obviously, the actual event of the assault was horrific, but I find most of my trauma in what happened after, in how it was handled, you know, those terrible conversations with whoever they were, you know, those run-ins in school. No, I totally agree. Like, obviously, the assault itself was awful, and, like, that's where... like, a a whole lot of the trauma sits, um, and, like, that's kind of, like, where... Like now, like if I'm struggling with it, like that's kind of what the you know what the nightmares and all that yeah. are about. But um, like a lot of my trauma came from what happened after, and like the the ongoing trauma yeah. was because of the actions of like his family afterwards. Yeah. Um, like I remember it would have been like a year, eighteen months later, and my mum had gone to work and my mum, so my mum has like a cleaning business. So she cleans other people's houses and one of the um, people's houses that she cleans was like a mutual friend. Mm. And like this mutual friend one day was just like, oh my God, like um, this person's like so-and-so, which is the mum of the guy. She's like, like this happened at his brother's like party and, you know, this like woman got him drunk and then cried rape. They like this family had just completely changed the story. Um, and they made it seem like it was like an older woman. So that kind of protected my identity in a way. I obviously didn't tell anyone. Like I didn't go around yeah. and tell all and tell all our mutual friends because we did run in the same circles. Like I didn't go mm. and tell them like, oh, you can't hang out with this person anymore because their son did this. Like I was mm. like, no, like it's it's not their burden to bear like I'm and I'm fine with that so I wasn't trying to get people to take sides (laughs) like my mum came home that day and told me that and I was like oh my god and that 
broke me. Like yeah. my mum actually ended up saying to that person because they were like telling her the story. Like my mum said to her, she's like, actually, that's not the case. What happened was he did this and he did it to my daughter. And oh. like she was just like, oh, my God, like I'm so sorry. And she's like, that makes so much more sense now because like this and this didn't add up when like so-and-so was telling me. Um, And, yeah, mm-hmm. so my mum was like honest with me about that and that broke me. Like I was like shaking as my mum was telling me and I was like, I just like I need to go have a shower Um, and like just – like clear my head and I I remember I got in the shower and like I put music on I was playing it as loud as I can as I could and my mum like could still hear me sobbing like over the shower Mm. like I was in the shower and I just like broke I like fell to the floor I was just sobbing and I couldn't breathe and my mum like had to come into the shower with me and just like pick me up and make sure that I was okay because like that trauma of knowing that like they could twist the story so much and make me sound like an awful person when I was the one that was like protecting them still like because I loved them so much like because they were like my other family I loved them so much that I protected them until that day until that day Mm -hmm. that I found out that they had been changing the story and trying to make me look like an awful person so yeah after that I just stopped caring and that's yeah that that trauma of knowing that like they could claim that they cared about me for like 15 years, like treat me like a daughter and then just like change because I told them the truth is just like heartbreaking. I just, yeah, my, my heart is breaking for you. And thank you for being so vulnerable and open with these parts of your story. And I really just want to shake these adults, these adults who were not Mm. caring and protecting and being kind to you as a young person. Mm. and like you said a young person they had known for so long yeah and it's not like I expected them to like be okay with like me anymore but like I didn't expect Mm. them to like make up lies you know that that was what really hurt when I see sexual violence in the like uh tvs and movies but then in real life, when it happens to someone, the people around them kind of twist it into this TV show, movie drama to gossip about or something. It's just, yeah. it's not actually an entertaining thing. I know, why right? But then like, <laughs> and then I look at it and I'm like, oh, this would make great TV. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it came straight from it, because, honestly. <laughs> because the way that they treat it and like yeah. the way that they twist it, they make it like a TV show. If you could... What advice would you give to schools supporting student victims or survivors? I think the main thing I would say is, like, actually ask victim survivors, like, if they've disclosed to you, like, ask them to think about what they need. Like, don't assume that something might, you know, work for them. Ask them to have a good, hard think about what they might need and accommodate that as best you can. Like Mm. for me, some of those things were like going over the class lists, but then it was also like my like locker position in relation to his, like I made sure that his was like as far away as possible. Um, And like, even when it came to like exams and stuff, like choosing my seating was a big one. Like I made sure that I sat at the very back corner where the door was because then it, like in my mind tricked me into thinking that I had an escape, yeah. which I technically did. Um, mm-hmm. But then I also knew that he was 
at very opposite corner. Right. Um, so yeah, like things like that were really helpful for me. But then I think that schools also just need to be better at listening <laughs> um, in general and understanding that there might be dynamics like that within their institution and that, you know, it is up to them to protect their students as best as they yeah. can. So making those accommodations shouldn't be a big deal. For me, I found it so impactful to know that I could go to the counseling office whenever and I yeah. was lucky to have a couple really good counselors at school who understood mm. For example, for me, when I would get in a space during the school day where I just needed a break, I would walk in and the receptionist needed to just hand me a coloring pack and I would go and sit in my little spot and color. And that was really helpful for me. And like, it's great to have that in the wellbeing space, but then also having teachers aware, um, like we had this little system at school that people who utilized the well-being space a lot and then off like did have if they needed to leave class in order like just to calm down um like to get some fresh air or to like to go to the well-being space we had like a card like just a little laminated card um that we could like show the teacher yeah that's great so then it's that clear communication to them without needing that verbal explanation on behalf yeah it's not like that not needing that like hey, can I talk to you outside for a minute? And yeah. Then, <laughs> and then like crying in front right. of the teacher, like, and then all the students in your class being able to see through the windows oh. and being like, what the hell? What advice would you give to parents and carers supporting their children, their young people who have experienced sexual violence? Listen, trauma is, trauma responses are different for everybody. Um, So like the way that I've reacted and like the way that you've heard me speak about my reactions and everything and how my traumas impacted me may be totally different for somebody else. Like listen to what they're saying, listen to their needs and allow them to have whatever reaction they need to have in order to get through it. If they need to just like cry and break down and just like let all their emotions out, if they need to just keep on keeping on, occupy themselves allow them to do that if they need to like find something that they can like fixate on like going for a run or coloring or something allow them to respond however their body is telling them to respond because it is like a physical thing as well as just emotional where possible really respecting their agency who they're comfortable telling like you said what they need in that moment I think that's a huge thing like when someone is assaulted their yeah their agency is taken away their Mm. the control is taken away um so allowing them to control the next steps is really important don't make a police report don't go and tell Mm. the school allow them to control when those things happen. If it is like a a school-based thing, walk with them about the possibility of like telling your year level coordinator or something. Don't just do it for them because you think it's what's going to be best for them. Allow them to be a part of that decision-making process. Um, Actually, I think it is important to touch on the police scenario. Don't force someone to go to the police about it. That person will do it if they think it's right for them. There's no, like, statute of limitations or anything like that, so there's no rush. So, yeah, don't pressure anyone into that situation either. I think that kind of clearly shows what safety looks like for different people after an assault and 
with young people, I myself, as someone who goes into school, I have mandatory reporting obligations. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think for parents and carers, that's something that as the adults, they can explore, but not yeah, jump force. to anything. Yeah. yeah, not force. And if certain things need to happen for the safety of that young person, involve the young person. Let them yeah. know what's happening. Don't just do on their behalf. That aspect of like mandatory reporting is really interesting. Like mm. when you talk about it in this in this way, like obviously, you know, it's mandatory. Like you have to report yeah. that. But there's also still the chance to include the young person Absolutely. in that. Um, and I think that's really important um, for like youth workers and anyone who has to do mandatory reporting that yeah. it's important that you inform the young person that, that's what's going to happen um, because if they're ever like shocked by that, they'll never trust anyone again. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't agree more. When you commented on how you and your mom have kind of reflected on how you telling her went down and then her finding out about the alcohol. I first told my parents about a party with alcohol. So then I was grounded. And then later they found out about the assault, I guess for the adults and the parents and carers kind of, not just excusing to not get the young person in trouble, but I guess remembering what the main point is that yeah, that young sure. person has experienced a trauma. It's very, very interesting to look back on my experience with my mum because for so long I was so angry at her mm. because I was like so frustrated as to like why I was punished. Like, wasn't I punished by my decisions? like for my decisions enough by being assaulted. Right. Like that was my view mm. as like 15-year-old traumatised Laura. Mm. Um, but then like looking at it now, I'm very aware of how terrified my mum was, yeah. you know, like her her baby yeah. had been assaulted. Like, and I think that's one thing that I never took into account was that my assault wasn't just a trauma for me. It was a trauma for mm. my mum her response was also a trauma response. If you are a parent, allow yourself to admit that it's a trauma response for you too. If you don't, then you'll probably make some decisions that are a bit rash, a bit triggering for your child, might lead to some resentment. Very similarly, my assault was a trauma for my parents that I found out years later, you know, led them into their own therapy sessions yeah. and things like that. But I think like by talking about these things, talking about my experience, and I think like those conversations about the dynamic with telling people and, you know, how people respond, like it's it's a really interesting conversation, but it's also a really important one to have to try to reduce trauma for victim survivors, but also like their family members and the people around them. A trauma doesn't always just affect one person. And that's yeah. a huge thing to take out of this conversation. Laura, I really want to thank you for your honesty your vulnerability and for your insight and i am sorry you had to be so emotionally mature as a young person thank you so much it's been a real real special thing to be able to jump on here today and talk about my experience um but i also just wanted to thank you for mm. one to sexual health victoria for giving me this space but also you chrissy um for sharing your story as well thank you so much Thank you to both Laura and Chrissy for using their stories to provide insight on how we can better support young people who have experienced sexual violence. Key things which stood out for me in this discussion are both Chrissy and Laura spoke of how lucky they were to have a great welfare team at their school. 
all parents and carers could benefit from knowing who the support team is for their young people. Disclosing to parents and carers is difficult, particularly if it involves disclosing about behaviour that a parent or carer would disapprove of, like drinking. Let young people have agency in how their trauma is managed. Laura works for Youth Affairs Council Victoria. I'll link to that in the show notes. They do lots of great work advocating for young people. Laura tells more about her experience on her podcast, Growing Up Clueless. I'll put a link for that also. Sexual Assault Service Victoria is the peak body for specialist sexual assault services and harmful sexual behavior services. I'll put a link for them also. For more information about Sexual Health Victoria, you can go to shvic.org.au. You can follow SHV on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn. Contact us directly at doingit at shvic.org.au. Subscribe to the podcast. Like it if you like it. Thank you so much for listening.